Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. This is Peyton Jones. <laughs> the happy Peyton Jones. <laughs> Never hear guys on the radio talk like that. They wouldn't have a job. You know, speaking of uh, of great radio personality, one of my clients, I've, I've helped her start her own podcast as a, a way to get in front of her audience. And so I basically set her up with the exact same system that you and I use because she comes to me for everything. And it's like, I'm not going to learn another system. So... You know, I taught her, here's how you do it in Google Hangout. Here's how you call people. So she keeps giving me these files, these audio files, where her voice is like barely audible, but you can hear the person she's interviewing perfectly. And so she's like, you know, I can't keep doing these over again. You're going to have to get together with my husband and help me figure out what's wrong. And so finally, I touched base with her husband. And um, so he's sitting there in front of her computer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and I go, because the way that our system works is like, we've got these mics and we record from the mic into a Zoom recorder, I guess it's called. And that's the exact same system oh, she's man, got. Don't tell them our secret. What we do is magic. It it's is magic. All done by the power Here's of the best part. So you can hear him yelling out to his wife. Pete wants to know, what are you talking into? She's like, I'm not talking into anything. I've got the ear. (laughs) She's like, I've got the uh, earbuds plugged into my ears. And I'm like, well, that's great. She can hear everything. But what is she talking into? (laughs) And I go, is she talking into the mic? So you hear him like yelling, are you talking into the mic? She's like, no. (laughs) And I'm like, what do you think a mic is for? I mean, seriously. Like. How how are her guests actually like? Are, is the interview kind of like? So do you feel what? I have no idea. I don't know what it sounds like to the other person, but I know as far as like recording, like you can barely hear her. I mean, thankfully, you and I use a system that cleans the audio, so it bumps up her audio just fine. And and you know, her podcast listeners don't know, but that's when, only because when we have when we have a guest that that sounds better than me, I, I get jealous. I have to confess, I get podcast envy. When do they sound better than you? I don't know. It's happened a couple. I think that time I was over at your house. I think oh, Frank Fire yeah. sounded better than me. That's because you were I using your like earbud mic. I mean, that's a I know, bad mic. I sinned in my heart. <laughs> you sinned in your heart. <laughs> well, I did. I, I envied him. At least it was just in your heart. You know, speaking of uh, great audio, I must, I, I have to tell everyone. I thought you were going to go, hey, speaking of, of great sin. <laughs> well, it's a mix. It's a mixed bag. So I mentioned on last week's podcast that if people don't have Drew Dick's book, um, 
yawning at tigers. And I keep wanting to call it yearning for tigers because of you. And you commented to him that you thought that's what the title should be. And like, every time I like type out a blog post or whatever, I'm like yearning for tigers. No, that's not it. It's yawning at tigers. (laughs) I have to like yearning for tigers. I have to remind myself. So, so anyway, I, I, I mentioned on last week's podcast that I've been listening to the, or I, I bought the audible version and I hadn't started listening to it. As soon as you and I get done recording the podcast, I had to drive somewhere. So, you know, I pop in my iPhone and I'm listening to audible.com, which by the way, you can get a free trial, audibletrial.com forward slash CPM, get a free one month uh, trial. You get one month, uh, you know, uh, the book uh, for free if you want doing that. Puts a little uh, wind in our pirate sails. And I'm not kidding, man. It starts off. So can, I, can I just like real quick say, so don't go there and just like Google it. Do it like Pete said, forward slash CPM. Yeah, audibletrial.com forward slash CPM. And yeah. and so I'm listening and it starts off, right? And the guy comes on and he's like, uh, yeah, this is Yawning at Tigers by Drew Dyke. He called him Dyke. You and I had that That's whole conversation. Awesome. They didn't even bother to ask, hey, by the way, how do you pronounce your name? Oh, it's Dick? Okay, because I was going to say Dyke. See? I'm just saying. That's crazy. You know, they, they had a guy do mine. I was trying to think. I wanted someone else to do mine next time. I can't remember. Oh, you know who it is. Yoda? I got a buddy. The guy who does the voice no. of Yoda? Well, you if you listen to <laughs> Church Zero, the very beginning of the audiobook, the guy that, that I picked, you know, it, they all sound they all sound like nerds. It's true. They send you like almost like a swatch, like in you know, an audio swatch. Here's this guy and that guy, and it's like you're dating them for their voice. You're like, ah, I don't want this guy to represent my book. Anyways, I I literally, no joke. Now I picked the least nerdiest sounding guy, right? Because they all sounded nerdy. And then he anyway. So I get the finished product back, and like in the first line. You're like, uh oh, here we go. The rest of it, he kills it. He kind of hits his stride like second sentence in. Um, you first hear his voice, you're like, ah, but anyways, he actually does Yoda's voice. And I, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, man, I so picked the right guy for this. He did? Like, really? He did. He actually did the impersonation of Yoda's voice. That's nice. Oh, dude, it was killer. Cause I just expect him to read. He's like, size matters not. You know, or something, you know, that was my best, best, you know, I would give my left arm if I could do Mr. T's voice. What do you mean? Like, just, I might, if I could actually like do it, like Mr. T in your pocket, it would be awesome. I I would consider that to be my greatest gift. You know what I've done in the past? I've actually hired voice impersonators and, um, Done voicemails and voicemail blasts and all that type of stuff. My favorite was I used a guy who um, does a Sean Connery. I still have it on my computer. I should play it. I'll play it on the next episode. You have played that for me. That's awesome. Have I played that one for you? Yeah, you did play it for me. Yeah, yeah I mean, you could tell at one point he kind of he couldn't quite do the word right because he couldn't do the accent properly with we whatever need to word have it was. You and everything for Church Planner Podcast. Speaking speaking of uh, And you know yeah. where you can get it, church planner, if you need voiceovers. By the way, you would have the coolest church ever if you did like voiceovers and like had blasts go out to all your parishioners and whatnot. But you can get it at Fiverr.com. Five bucks. F I V E R R dot com. I pay the fool that don't come to the church picnic. Yeah, you really That'd can't do awesome. Mr. T, can you? <laughs> huh? No, I, I can't. Like it would be so cool though to have Mr. T do like on Sunday morning, you just have a picture of Mr. T up front. Yep. And then you just got like some guy from Fiverr. It costs you five bucks a week doing your announcements. Dude, I'm telling you, it would be cool. That would actually be really cool. Just put a picture up and play the audio. <laughs> I like so, that. So my, uh, my, my daughter's watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles right now, right? And uh, they have this guy jamming around in like this, you know, metal body armor that he made. And, uh, they're like, there he is. There's a bad guy. And, and one of the turtles goes, how, how do you know he's a bad guy? And he goes, well, come on. You know, where's he going in the middle of the night, like jamming around, you know, uh, uh, you know, in, in full body armor, you know, mechanical body armor. 
And the, the, the one turtle goes, church? And he goes, what kind of church would that be? And the other turtle goes, the coolest church ever. He did not say that. Did this really happen? I swear to you. Season one. We're watching it right now. Yeah. I Is it on Netflix? It's going in a book. You know it's going in a book. Is it on Netflix? No, it's not. You know, you got to buy it on Amazon. Oh. It's for Liberty, though. I, I, I bought it for her. No, I was just going to say it because I'd make a video clip of that on my computer and play it. Put it up on YouTube. Yeah, man. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I own it. So uh, speaking of, of gift, trying to, to use my very stale segue now. Um, my birthday's coming up. <laughs> I accept cash. You are present to me. No, honestly, I am really struggling. Andrea is asking me what I want. And it's becoming this thing where like every day she's like, come on, you got to tell me what you want for your birthday. I don't know if anybody else goes through this. I Every year, like all year, if you ask me what I want, I'd want something way too expensive that I couldn't afford. Like a silencer for my phone. But But I literally, every time my birthday rolls around, I cannot for the life of me figure out what in the heck I want. What, like, do you ever go through this? No, because, well, kind of. I mean, here's, here's my response to that. I go, I'm an adult. If there's something I want, I buy it. <laughs> so what do you want to get me for my birthday? I don't know. Cause everything else, if I want it, I've already bought it. Yeah. I don't know, man. I haven't been a missionary so long. It doesn't work that way in the Jones house. I know, but in the Mitchell's house, it does, which is why I got so much <laughs> crap everywhere. Just, I have not been good. I have not been a good steward with my money. Let's just put it like that. See, uh, that's another reason why you should make a bunch of money. It makes birthdays suck. No, but, you know, honestly, it's just a weird <laughs> thing. Like, I get every book I want for free. Um, I, I get... You know, like this. Uh, you know, Rich you should Mullins. actually thank me for the fact that you get every book for free because it's because of me you get every book for free. Well, that's your birthday present to me. There you go. I'm done. Happy done chopping. Happy birthday, Peyton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I accept that. Thank you. This is my verbal thank you card. Thank you. Hey, uh, you know, this last week it was uh, someone else's birthday. Yeah. <laughs> That was the Do worst. The that was the worst impersonation. No, that was good. <laughs> hey, it was better than my Yoda and Mr. T, let's be honest. Do it again. Do it again. I don't know if I have enough phlegm in my throat. <laughs> I can see now I'm now I'm just gargling. It's, it's not gonna work. <laughs> I swallowed. Forget it. It's done. It was so good. I know we're gonna have someone comment on that. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Che- Chewbacca. So- yeah, P- Peter Mayhew, the guy that plays Chewbacca, is 70 years old. Now, you know he's the coolest guy in the retirement home. And he's he like seven feet tall or something like that. Dude, the guy's crazy tall. I wonder if like, uh, as an old guy, if like, um, you know, like, what do you what do you do when he gets out of hand in the, in the sunshine home? Like, <laughs> It would take like six. It would be like 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 the Lilliputians, man. Like Gulliver's Travels, you know. They have to tie ropes to him and like pull him down to the ground if he gets out of hand. Dude, I don't know. I mean, wouldn't you be too afraid he'd rip your arm sockets out? Rip your arms out of their sockets? <laughs> Let Peter Mayhew win. He's playing chess in the in, in the break room during the day. Let him win. Well, no one cares if a droid loses. And I, you know what? I saw a shirt the other day that had a Lego Chewbacca pulling a stormtrooper's arm off, and I thought that was the coolest thing on the planet. Oh, you know what? I know we got to actually get into our topic, but I did need to tell you for for our this our, is our topic. Right? I know this is our topic. <laughs> for our listeners who don't know, we've got a um, we we hired and and actually fired in in you know about a week and a half span um, another another employee. This was uh, Tyrone. Um, the the whitest how does how does he call himself? He goes the whitest Tyrone you'll ever meet, or something like that, or yeah, yeah. the white Tyrone. Because every time I see his name come up on my phone, or he calls, hey, yeah, this is Tyrone. I'm like, I don't know any Tyrone. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking of a, a black person, but he's not black. He's white, and his name's Tyrone. Go figure. But anyway, he's been doing um, 
some uh, some ad sales for Church Planner Magazine, uh, calling on people who've uh, expressed an interest in advertising in the magazine. By the way, if you represent a business and want to advertise in the magazine or on the podcast, Tyrone's the guy you want to talk to. And, uh, you know, you can just reach us. Just reach out to Pete at churchplannermag.com or uh, even Tyrone at churchplannermag.com and uh, touch base on that. But anyway, <laughs> we had to fire him. You can still reach him there, but uh, we had to fire him. Because he, he calls me up the other day, and he goes, by the way, I was just listening to episode 61, and um, I don't know that Star Wars is the greatest movie ever made. And I said, really? I don't know that oh. you need to work with us. So, you know. Oh, wow. I think we need to, yeah, I think we you, need to call this to. relationship. We're, we're done. Yeah, that, that's like when a church planner says, well, I, I don't drink coffee, actually. I'm like, you know, you need to go rethink coffee. your calling. <laughs> go rethink your life. Go rethink your calling. And uh, if you don't like, I have never to date seen a church planner succeed who had never seen Star Wars or didn't like it. Well, see, Jimbo's our example. I'm just saying I wasn't going to go there. I am. But, I'm uh, working with Jimbo on a project. I will go there all day long. <laughs> I, I'm just this, saying. I'm working on this program with Jimbo. He, he He's an ex-church planner. He tried it, didn't make it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, he never actually tried it. He trained with us he trained. and uh, got sucked into baby town. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't strong enough. Anyway, so um, so I'm working with him on a project, and I go, all right, you need to put together a PowerPoint for this project because we need to uh, do a webinar to, to sell this system to people. And so he puts together this thing, and he sends it over to me. He goes, what do you think? And I go, I don't know what the heck you put together because that's, that's the worst PowerPoint I've ever seen in my life. And he goes, well, can you send me one so I know what one looks like? So I sent him one of mine, and he goes, wow, mine was bad. <laughs> All no, right. Jimbo's cool. a good guy. Jimbo's a great guy. You know, I was going to totally talk more smack, but I think we better get into our topic. Our topic today is how to go bivocational without being bivocational. And I know it sounds like that's just a nonsense topic. And it is. You'd be right. We're thinking that. But the reality is um, some of the church planners out there listening are going great, man. So you're telling me I have to go get a job, but I am fully supported. And um, you know, how do you, how do you, if I'm going to be fully funded, why would I go into a, a job that's going to take me away from my family? Boom, boom, boom. And uh, and and you know, I want to maximize this money that that people are are throwing at me. So here's the deal. Um, I met with a church planner uh, this past week. Um, he bought me breakfast. It was it was well worth the drive, and uh, we had a chat. And he he was telling me, "Look, I'm going to be funded." And he told me who was funding him. And um, as we chatted, he said, "Well, you know, I'm I'm listening to the podcast. I'm listening to a lot of the stuff that you guys are saying, but I'm not bivocational." And he said, "My concern as a first time church planner." is that this is going to make it difficult for me and that I'm actually going to be missing something. And so, you know, we, we talked a bit. I mean, this guy he's, in he, You're saying he, he'd be missing something because he's not being bivocational, because he's not in the community well, yeah, in because, that way? Yeah, because, you know, here we are on the podcast, and we're actually telling guys, look, uh, you know, you think of the goals being like getting out of secular employment, going into, you know, full-time ministry. And that has its benefits. Let me tell you something. When when you do that, it frees you up to, um, I would say, okay, church planning, uh, there's a couple of different things. If you're working full time, you get around lost people more. That's just a fact. You're around lost people more. If you're set apart to the work of the ministry, in other words, you've left your nets, um, boom, boom, boom. And we could talk about the rightness, the wrongness of this, because there's people that really look down their nose at people that are full-time supported. But the reality is if you study the scripture, not only were the apostles set apart full-time, um, you know, the, t- the 12, uh, so was Jesus. Um, it, it, they had left their nets. Matthew had left his tax collector booth. It's not biblical to look down your nose at someone who's left secular employment. But the reality is that the benefits of each are going to be different. So, for example, if I work full-time in Starbucks, um, I'm going to be uh, really 
accessible to people, accessible to the community. That's a community hub. Um, by the way, that's a job. Just going and working a secular uh, you know, job is not going to make you more effective evangelistically. You could be in a warehouse job, but any job like that that traffics people, particularly in a in a small talk situation uh, where you're seeing high volumes of people for small amounts of time, like a barista, um, like someone working at a counter, uh, where uh, banter is encouraged, that's extremely profitable for the church evangelistically. Um. But but having said that, working for a um, a church or an organization or being funded by someone like Stadia or some of the other places out there that will throw money at you, um, you actually have the ability to foster multiplication. And what I mean by that, we've talked about uh, the fact that if you want to multiply a church, a church planting movement. In other words, you don't just want to plant your church. You want to plant, you know, six more churches, you know, in the next two years out of your church. And then beyond that, you want each one of them to multiply a number of churches. So you become a multiplication movement, right? Um, for that, you, you almost, uh, need to be set apart full time because there's a huge amount of discipleship. You have to be training wheels for these guys. Um, you know, so so there's benefits of both, but anyways, do, does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it does make sense, and and I think you know one of the things that probably leans into part of this too is um, is personality, and and what I mean by that is I, I can see how some I, I can see how the bivocational planner you know might almost look down at someone who's fully funded. And so I, you know, I agree with you that that's obviously not a, a correct um, position to to have, or, or certainly uh, let it influence, you know, your thinking and, and things like that. But I would also say that it kind of depends on the personality too of the church planner, you know, how this stuff can play out. And and what I mean by that is, as you and I have talked before on the show, I am not, in my opinion, a good evangelist. Like that's not my strength. I don't like talking to people like just to begin with. <laughs> it's, it's like I'm the anti-salesman, right? So like for me to just go out and meet people and and talk like that just doesn't that's not how I'm built. But like I'm great at public speaking. I love public speaking, which seems quite odd, right? I don't like talking to people one on one, but put me in front of a group of a you know a thousand. I'm as happy as can be, um, and I think part of that too is the positioning that it gives me. You know, I'm not just some schmuck. You know, I was the guy up on stage. That's why you should listen to me. You know, but um, so you know, I'm just looking at it, thinking, okay, well, you know, let's say you are fully funded for a guy like me, that would actually be easier for me to focus on ministry than if I was bivocational and trying to reach the lost in my bivocational job, because that's, that's so not how I'm built. Like, I'm just not built to like get to know people that way. And, um, and even like invite them to church, like that would just be really difficult for me to do. That's just not how I'm built. I don't know. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? It makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense, but, but think of it this way, you know, if, when you're set apart full time, what you have the ability to do, let's let's just take your um, kind of example there and run with it. You're saying, I'm not really good one to one with evangelism. But say you're a preacher. Say you're a guy who you're really at home. Like Spurgeon said, you're at home among the books, but it's see amongst men. That's one of the descriptions he uses of, of some gospel ministers. So you say, you know, with people, I'm not so great. Uh, Steve Timmis is an example of this. Um, there's others, surely, but... Um, I, I get the impression listening to certain preachers that that guy would not be able to relate to anyone on my street at a barbecue. Um, but, but here's the deal. And you can, I mean, you're, you're, you know, in a, in an interpersonal situation, you're very good with people, but I get, see, I am, but it wouldn't be an evangelical thing. Like, I mean, I can hang with people, but it's, it's difficult for me to, to make that, that transition, you know? But when they raise it, you have no problem. No, I've, yeah. I've watched you on that. You know, for you, you're not the initiator, perhaps. And and it's really funny because one of the greatest evangelists that I've ever seen was the guy that I planted pillar with. And 
he uh, he would say to me, "You get him in the room because I'm 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 the first contact guy. I can talk to anybody. I can I can be at a at a park with total strangers, and you know I'm the connector. I'm the linker. I'm the bringer. You are to um, the point that like I know when you and I go to conferences, you're going to leave me. <laughs> like you're going to leave me, and you're going to go out meet and talk, which is good. Like. On Sundays, when you actually go to church, which isn't very often, I mean, <laughs> what are you at? Like you mean once when a month? I show then? up at Long Beach. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, when you show up at Long Beach, it's like I don't even bother approaching you on Sundays, really, because I know that you've got a job to do, and your job is yeah. to meet the people who are there. And you, you already know me. I mean, you and I are going to talk already. Yeah. So I, I, I like hang back and stay away because that's how you're built. Like, I still remember one of the first, it might have been the first week that Brandon Brooks was at our church. And um, that's when we had the uh, transgender uh, prostitute there for the first time. And you were, like, talking with Brandon, and all of a sudden you go, oh, man, there's a a transgender uh, person. I got to go talk to them. And, like, you just bolted. And Brandon, I remember him saying to me afterwards, he goes, that was so rad. (laughs) Like, like (laughs) you see the transgender person, you're like, I got to go. I got to go talk to them. I mean, because that's how yeah. you're built, totally well, built even, differently than me. Yeah, even like this uh, uh, this Sunday, right? Like I always go up in front of the church and tell them how bad I suck at announcements, and I apologize because I'm giving announcements. But the reason, even though I know I suck at announcements, the the reason I'm up there giving announcements is simply because I I vision cast when I'm there. So so case in point, like just mm-hmm. what you're saying. Now that I'm there less. Um, one of the guys who does what I do, he goes, man, you know, um, you, you need to talk like you need to raise awareness about kind of what you're wired to do, because there's other people there. They just haven't taken ownership of that. that. That probably if they realize that we want them to do that, they would do it. So I went up last Sunday when I was there um, and just vision cast and just said, hey, you know, I've been visiting churches and um, I'm noticing that um, I can go to a church and no one talks to me. And, you know, that that stands out to me because what that says to me in that church is I don't matter. And that's not me being like emotionally immature or anything, but I'm always thinking about it. Like if I were just a guy walking in off the street from the neighborhood, I might be grateful that everybody doesn't talk to me. You know, I might be shy, I might be scared, I might want to kind of slip off in the back. But I think I wouldn't appreciate the fact that nobody talked to me. And there's a big difference between you know, uh, everyone mobbing you would make you feel weird. No one talking to you makes you feel like you're unimportant. You don't matter. And so I shared this yes, whole thing. especially in a church our size. Like, yeah, I when I went to Huntington Beach, I mean, we probably went to Huntington Beach Refuge for like five years, and I yeah. knew maybe like three people. And one of the cool things for me about going to a big church is I don't have to talk to anyone. Yeah. Big churches, you can yeah, hide. Yeah, exactly. And so what what I was going to say earlier is that, you know, if if you're not the frontline guy, I mentioned the guy that I planted pillar with. If you're not the frontline guy, what, what he, he and I were an awesome tag team because he would say this. He'd say, you get him and you bring him to me. And he said, I he goes, I don't know how to put it, but like when I get lost people in a small group, they get saved. That's just what happens. So he said, you meet all these people, and like you know, I lead people to Christ and stuff. But um, that's that's one of my strong points. But um, but if for me, it'll be one on one. And he was like, "Look, let's combine, and you know, you get them, you meet them, you build relationship." And so what that turned into for me was discipleship. Everyone who got saved, I just discipled them. Um, I'd meet with them in the week, and so that's that's kind of the deal. Is being full time, I could move around their schedule. But, but anyways, just saying that this guy was, he was right. We would get people in a room. We would have uh, a room full of non-believers. In fact, they would uh, start talking about how, how the Bible is just a bunch of smack. And it would just, I remember looking at him the first night, like, wow, you know, we have got a live bunch here and there was cuss words coming out. There was this, there was that. And they were all spiritually interested people. We had the atheist over there who, you know, I entered a conversation with him at work. And I said, well, you should come to this thing. It's called Christianity Discovered or something like that, or a discovery group. We made it up. And uh, he came, and, uh, and, and I'm looking at my buddy like, 
wow, you know, listen to this room. And he just smiled because he knew like in a couple of weeks, these people are all going to be turning their lives over to Jesus, like just absolutely going to follow him. And that was his gifting. So even if you're not a frontline dude, here's my point. Being set apart full time, you become uh, the person who uh, you still you train and release other people like he had me. I was a minister already. Um, but if I were him or I were you, Pete, and I felt that way and I, and, and I was planning a church, and if I were set apart, I'd be grabbing what we call the bringers, the connectors. I would grab those that are just so good with people, meeting people on the front line, and I would pour into them. I would make sure they understand the DNA. I would disciple the crap out of them. And the reason I would do it is because those people are going to be the future of the church. If they bring the others to me. Um, what I'm actually doing is I'm empowering them. I'm taking the church and I'm pouring in out of my free time where I'm personally weak, but I'm pouring into other people that are strong in those areas. Does that matter? Or does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It makes a lot of sense actually. And, um, you know, along those lines, I, I remember back a couple of episodes ago, maybe it was like episode 68 or 67. Um, we talked about missional communities and to me, you know, as I look at, take someone who's, who's not bivocational, you know, and you started off the topic going, all right, you know, someone who's not bivocational, how you make them bivocational. And I think another way that they can, um, you know, reach back out to the community is with some of the ideas that you talked about specifically on that episode that I, I thought that was one of the best talks we'd had on the missional communities you know, like the video game um, missional yeah. community where it was like every other week. And that made so much sense to me. Like for me, as much as I don't like uh, talking to people one-on-one, -on -one, I can totally do that, right? Like I can have people over yeah. and we could have a movie night. And every other week it's a movie night and the other weeks it's a Bible study. Like I can totally do that. But what a great way to reach out to the community. And if you're not, you know, directly working in a um, – you know, a business or, you know, you, you're, you're not bivocational, you're fully funded. I mean, that's still a great way that you can reach out to the community is, is some of the different ideas for the missional communities that we talked about. Well, that's actually the secret. That's actually where this podcast is, is going. Is the, the reason when, when I was, see, I pay attention him, when you talk, see, <laughs> when, when I, when I was talking with this church planner, I'm looking at him. He's he's all kinds of big, right? He's Mr. Athletic. He's got a baseball cap on. I know that he plays baseball. He used to play baseball a lot, pretty hard. And I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know if he's one of those guys that could have gone pro or whatever, but he's he's built for sports. And I, I remember just, you know, and he's sharing his, his, uh, his uh, burden. He's saying, you know, um, I really want to uh, do a church for guys. And he goes, you know what I mean? And I, I knew exactly what he meant. You know, he shared some of his influences. He had great stuff. I told him, I said, your vision, you need to be on this podcast. So we might have him on here, have him talk about how he's going to do a church for guys. And I was so impressed because a lot of what he was doing is he was actually going to women and saying, how does that make you feel when I say I want to do a church for guys? And he, and, and he would get their input. Now, what would I have to do to make it worth you coming? What would they say? say? That, that's what I'm more curious well, that, that's when I told him, I said, we need to get you on the podcast because mm. uh, he's got this vision. But I said, along with your vision for that, the fact that you're wired for sports, I go, obviously, you're going to be doing dude stuff a lot, right? He goes, yeah. I said, well, don't make your own dude stuff. Do dude stuff in the community. Like, you can do your own, too. That's fine. Like, we, we like not a church baseball together. team, but join the community baseball team. Yeah. Like we, we started off exactly. And, and, and so this is how you become bivocational without becoming bivocational. The strength of being bivocational is you're not in a, in, a, in an office all day in an, in a cubicle, uh, in a church somewhere, um, you know, kind of cloistered off like a monk secluded from the rest of the world that you're trying to reach. It's what I wrote about in church zero cha-ching when I said, you know, you're a pencil pusher for Jesus trying to change the world from behind a desk. It doesn't work that way. And that's how many ministers get pigeonholed. And then they wake up one day and go, why am I sitting in an office all day? And the Apostle Paul is out there, like in the middle of communities causing riots. 
where is this disconnect? So, so what, what I say, what I said to him and what I say to guys who are like, look, I'm fully supported. I'm full time. I say, get out, just join. Uh, you know, if, if you play baseball, go play baseball, get amongst a group of guys. And I can remember when, um, when this became really apparent to me, I, I was a pastor in, uh, a rural community. I say rural. It had the third oldest university in Wales. It was a place called Lampeter, um, University of St. David's Lampeter. Um, the oldest, third oldest university in, in, in the UK outside of, uh, Oxford and Cambridge. So it's not like a small university, but it is, the town has never built up around it. So it's a really small town. Well, but it's got this massive university. So the whole, town was all about the university. Everything stood and fell on that. And so there was, there was a moderate size fire station there. It wasn't a small one because I had this university. So, um, they had a couple fire trucks, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I joined that fire team. And while I was, um, on that fire team, I found that I, I had as much of a community there as I did in my church. Hmm. And, I, I, it was amazing to me. And I, I can remember getting kind of bummed because like, I always tell the story about, you know, I went to Starbucks. I went to any job I've ever had. People get saved right away on this one. It took a year. And what I didn't realize is when you join another established community of people, it takes a while because you're the outsider coming in. It's different when you go to work, it's different. But if you join a community that's kind of like a church, in other words, there's a lot of history there. There's drama. There's clicks. There's this and that. Um, it it takes a while. And firefighters are a very tight community. And eventually, uh, a dude came up to me. He gave his life back to God, I'd say, because he had had a miraculous healing. He watched me for about a year before he would approach me. And um, we had one of the guys who was very antagonistic towards the gospel. We went to a fire call and... Uh, uh, they call him shouts and we went to a shout and he had been working out with his buddy that night, um, in the garage. And we got called to that house and he found his buddy up against the wall with his arm reaching up for the window and that rocked him. And so you mean he died. Know, he, uh, yeah, his buddy died. Yeah. He mm-hmm. found his, I mean, he and I, he, uh, he and I were strapped on for rapid deployment, which is a breathing apparatus. And he found his buddy um, in the room dead. And so, you know, he was very antagonistic, but he changed after that. And so I guess what I'm saying is you get involved in these communities and you start going through life and death, um, with these guys and, you know, their marriage problems and all that, it will take time. It will be a slow burn, but you will be there as the constant. And, and so what I told this guy is I said, look, if you want to really, uh, you know, make inroads with the community, just go join the community do the things that uh, that the community is doing. So you don't, the, the purpose of going bivocational, the, the reason that we point out the silver lining on that is it gets you around lost people. So if you're full-time supported, now you have the freedom to get around lost people in other capacities. You don't have to get paid for it. You know, one thing too that I would throw out there is a possibility of someone's like, well, you know, I'm not the sports guy. I'm not going to go join the baseball team. A, a great place is, is, <laughs> this might sound ironic to people. A great place where you can find a community to join and you can find tons of them is uh, you go to meetup.com and just look for whatever interests you. You know, there's there's every day there's hundreds of meetups that are meeting all over the world, um, certainly in your community, on whatever topic you want. And, I mean, I used to run a meetup group for uh, marketing. And I mean, we sounds kind of meat markety, huh? Well, <laughs> meetup. Um, yeah, no, it's not a dating thing. Have you ever used meetup.com? Yeah, I know what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and what's it's interesting though, is like, there's, there's like, there's a core group of people at every meetup that'll be there like every time. And it's usually a smaller number. So there might be like five or six that are the core. And then there's just this constant inflow of new people each time. And I mean, if you made yourself a pillar in one of those communities, if you became one of those core people, I mean, the connections you would make with the core would be awesome. And then constantly new people coming in. I mean, it would be just awesome. 
be really good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, when we're talking about, you know, uh, don't let anyone look down their nose at you. Um, it's no secret. Nobody really, you know, like when, um, uh, Hugh Halter's talking about, you know, all these years I painted, I'll guarantee you Hugh Halter does not want to keep painting houses. I guarantee you. In fact, he did just go full time so that he could train and speak. And, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of building up his speaking. So, so don't feel, you know, uh, don't let anyone, you know, kid you, you know, everybody wants to be more productive and more effective. Um, I, one of the things I'm putting together a little, uh, uh little, um, ebook right now, um, about how to go full time, uh, you know, and I'm giving a little timeline. I think, I think I'm going to put like 90 days or something because the reality is there are ways you can do it. I mean, I've lived as a missionary there, there there's no way I could do the stuff I did unless, you know, I virtually, uh, full time. Now I do work. I do pay, uh, I get paid to train church planners for university. But for me, that's kind of like me still being full time. I just get to teach church planning at a university level. So, um, that, you know, for me that I, it's not quite the same, but, but for all intents and purposes, I'm, I'm full time to what I do, you know, and it's literally to train and equip others. And so, that's where I think you need to focus, um, you know, your efforts. If you're full-time supported, um, don't rest on your laurels. One of the great things about not being full-time supported is you really, there's an incentive there to go out and meet people and get them, uh, you know, to, to, to the church. And, and, and I'll say that because I know some people are like, oh, no, that's wrong, you know, this and that. It's just there. It's just a dynamic. I don't, I don't care who you are. When you're desperate, it's sink or swim, baby. And when you see that thing sinking and you're like, man, this thing's going to fold, it's going to close, you just start doing evangelism because you think, well, you know, I got to do something. You know, it's, I've been doing nothing. And that's why it's folding. So between going out and reaching lost people and discipling the people that will go out and reach lost people, um, that's where your time needs to be focused more than anything else. I get it, man, and I dig it. Yeah, and uh, so that that's one of the, the the major questions that that people have right now. Um, if if you're if you're going to um, go full time, there are things you can do. You can uh, start support letters. Um, I help guys write support letters from time to time um, as missionaries. That most of them that come in suck. The guy apologizes six times, seven times in it. Um, for asking for money and blah, blah, blah. But uh, it is gospel work. People need to think of you as a missionary. And you need to think yourself as a missionary as well. Those things are very, very helpful. So um, I hope that's helped, you know, with what we've been talking about. I don't know where we're at time-wise. Is this actually a shorter one? Peter? This could be the shortest podcast we've ever done where it was the two of us. <laughs> right on. Well, but we're done. just talking <laughs> I guess we can just talk a bunch of smack now again. I had more smack. I Good. Let's to talk. talk about Joey Roper, man, because um, you know we got we got another fifteen minutes to fill, and I just want him to to hear us talk smack. Yeah, no? yeah, absolutely. No? Well, he might Maybe have been not. disappointed because I know he has a stopwatch when he's listening to us, and he's like, "Nine, <laughs> that is too too long." <laughs> I'm just teasing. He's not German. He's actually in Germany, but he's not German. But. Uh, you know, the the reality is when we're talking about um, all this stuff, going, going back to it, um, you mentioned the video games, and um, there is no end. I mentioned sports. There are reading groups. There are, um, gosh, man, there's almost anything. One, one, like the guy that we talked about, we were like, do a wedding chapel thing. Marriage counseling. Oh, my gosh. If you did marriage counseling for people, think of all the cruddy marriages out there. Think of all the people you know, um, your neighbors, you know, you hear them fighting at night or, you know, you just know that people are broken and they break each other. You know, if you um, did that as like a, a benefit to the community, hey, you know, I'm pastor so-and-so with XYZ yeah. Church and we just offer free marriage counseling for anybody yeah. in the community. If you did that, yeah. can you imagine all of the women who are going to be bringing you their husbands because their Absolutely. marriage is falling apart? 
Well, there, there are communities that, that I've driven, like my mentor up in Oregon, he, um, he's in a community that's just, it's just poor. I mean, it's post-industrial. Um, a lot of the industry there in that town is shut down. And I drove through there and, and funny enough, one of my, one of my ex-students, um, tweeted about driving through that community and I'm like, and he, and he was kind of mocking it like, what a dump. And I'm thinking, well, that's where my mentor is right now. And I can remember going to see my mentor there and driving through and just seeing the brokenness, seeing, you could feel it. It was oppressive, uh, just the poverty, the depression. And you know, when you're in a, a situation like that, marriages are just all over the place. And that's what I said to him. I was like, oh, hey, what are what are the marriages like here? What are the family life like? And he's like, oh, they're breaking up all the time. And that was where I, I could, it's going to sound weird, but one of the things that God gives you as somebody with an apostolic calling is you you see the, um, it's probably like being a marketer or an entrepreneur. You You see the opportunities. Paul in Ephesians says, make the most of every opportunity. And the way that's translated in the Greek is it says buying up every opportunity. In other words, Paul spent a lot of his time in the marketplace, and he's literally um, saying, see the entrepreneurial opportunity for the gospel. That's what he's actually saying there in the Greek. Buy up all opportunities. In other words, if you see something that you can you know, buy cheap and turn around and sell it, boom, you know. Um, and you do that in ministry for the gospel. When you see an easy in, what we call a gospel inroads, um, then then you go in and you you buy that. Um, Don Richardson, he talked about it being uh, the peace child. That every culture has an inroad for the gospel. They have like a, a strategic in. And so, you know, when I was there, I could just, you, you have this gifting, you have this, I, I, it sounds weird to say, it makes you sound mystical, but you have an an apostolic, not apocalyptic, but (laughs) an apostolic, uh, ability to see what needs to be done. And so you mentioned Tyrone, Tyrone's a church planner in Florida. And he asked me the question, you know, Gosh, Peyton, you guys talk on your podcast a lot about impoverished areas. And he said, you know, what what would I do in Fort Lauderdale, Florida? And besides the obvious of just taking all the people from Bob Coy's church now that you know, oh, nice. <laughs> Sorry, just joking. <laughs> that but, was bad. You That's the kind of that thing out. that everyone would expect me to say, not you. <laughs> But, you know, obviously he has. He's had tons of people ask him from Bob Coy's church. Like, and he's like, hey, you know what? I'm I'm not doing anything right now. But what he was asking me is he's like, look, how do I get uh, the people, um, you know, who live here? He goes, I mean, these are more middle class people. What do I do to get them? And I said, you know what? Because Tyrone's been a missionary in Asia. I said, Tyrone, here's the deal. Um this is no different than being a missionary. If you've been a missionary, that is the apostolic gifting right there. You go out and you think to yourself, I'm going to be all things to all men. How do people in Fort Lauderdale, you know, middle class, suburban Fort Lauderdale, how do they think? What pains them? What plagues them? What are they afraid of? What keeps them awake at night? What do they value? What are they striving for? What I think what's trying? so funny is all these things that you're saying is exactly what we do as marketers. Yeah. We we look at a situation and we ask, what is keeping them up at night? What's the yeah. pain that's keeping them up at night? Hmm. Interesting. That. I mean, it's literally, that's like one of the questions you've got. Because once you identify that, you've got them. Because you yeah. know how to then reach out to them because you know yeah. their pain. You know what they're Absolutely. thinking. And, and I, you know, I read your marketing newsletter. And what I love is you'll talk about like guys that are sitting there with like, you know, the best kept product or the best thing. You know, the, they're like the guy who he's like the best chiropractor in the world, but nobody knows it. Yeah. Right. 
And, 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 and you, your whole thing is you're a marketer. You're like, well, you know, gosh, man, I'm like the answer to your prayers because if you're the best, uh, chiropractor in the world, well, you know, <laughs> you know, you got to tell them I'm the best marketer in the world. You well, know? but see, that's actually one of the things that I talked about in uh, the introduction to my book, Scientific Advertising, Crushing Your Competition Cha-ching! Like Ants on the Sidewalk. Cha-ching! I just pulled that book out yesterday. Did I you? I was throwing it away. No, I'm just <laughs> I was going to no. say, that figures. <laughs> no, I was I was cleaning out the new breed uh, closet, and I, I have that in my new breed closet, so. Well, great. I love it that it's there. But anyway, in the introduction, one of the things that I talk about is that the mistake that most business owners make, and uh, I think a lot of pastors, uh, church planners listening to this right now are really going to reject this. So I'm going to say it anyway, but they can think about it later. It'll fester. But the most, the biggest, I should say, mistake that most business owners make is they think that the business they're in is not the business they're in. In other words, like using their chiropractor example, they think they're a chiropractor. They think the business they're in is being a chiropractor, and it's totally wrong. The real business they're in is marketing of a chiropractic business, and they just happen to actually do chiropractic. And that is so good. But it's it's the same thing with the church, though. You know, most pastors think, "Oh, what I am is I'm a pastor of a church." No, really, what you are is an evangelist of the gospel. And you got to start thinking of yourself as I'm an evangelist of the gospel, not I am a church planner or I am a pastor. Those are things that you do, but that's not really at the core of what you are. You got to start thinking of I'm an evangelist of the gospel. Dude, it is so true because what, what happens is a guy will make a sermon. Like I watch this all the time, particularly with, you know, I, I spend a number of years in the reform movement. And, you know, was a reform pastor and the whole nine yards. What is that? I don't even know what that means. Remember, I'm the idiot. Okay. Okay. It would be like, um, you know, there's reform Baptists like Calvinistic and uh, things like that. Um, Smaller words, one or two syllables uh, max. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it's just a brand of theology. And, you know, and I'm not even saying like, here's the deal. Like when you're talking with Newbury, we don't care where, as long as you're evangelical, we don't care what side of the fence you fall on. But but here's the deal. I spent a number of years there. I've spent a number of years in Arminian circles, a number of years in Calvinist. A lot of our listeners will know what I'm talking about. Hopefully just most of them Pete. care. All right. No, just hopefully. No, well, it's not even something you got to care about. Like, that's why it's not even worth wasting time on. But here's the deal is that I would, I would watch because these guys are great preachers. They are excellent expositors. Um, but often in the reform movement, because they've got such a belief in God's sovereignty that what they end up doing is they just end up preaching, uh, you know, the Bible um, in the pulpit on Sunday morning. And then they say, well, God is sovereign. And all throughout, you know, the church age, God has built his church and he will continue. And they're right, except for one thing. They're reading the Bible in their cultural context. You see, when Paul was saying preach, and, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, that the God uses the foolishness of preaching. It wasn't in a church. Mm. It was out there. Like, and, and, and that was the thing that for me, I kind of started realizing, you know, I can sit in this building town blue in the face and preach, preach, preach. But if no one's going to them, that's what Paul's saying. If, you know, how will they believe unless they hear? So, you know, you preach in your church Sunday by Sunday, not good enough. The next step needs to be, how will they hear unless someone goes to them? You got to be sent. You got to get out there. You have to go to them. And so that's what we're talking about today is being out around and amongst people. And I, I love that. I knew where you're going before you even continue that where you're like, it's the same in the church. I know it is because many guys think, like you said, that they're preachers, right. but they're not preaching to the people out there. Right. And, you know, or they're like, I'm a pastor, but they're not, uh, you're not in the a church planner. You're not in the business of building a church, this entity, this non-personal institution. You are in the people business. And because of that, everything Jesus says in Matthew 28 has to do with people, Right. Not an institution, not building an organization or a, a, a non a nonprofit, a five hundred one c three nonprofit organization. 
you're in the people business. So that means you're either evangelizing or discipling. That's it. That's what you need to be doing. Prepping your sermons is good. Hopefully you see that as one link in the chain, but it is only a link in the chain. Yeah, I've said that a bunch of times, too, in in our conversations. I'm like, you know, is the church that we're building right now, is this, you know, really what it's supposed to look like? Because we we look at it from our, our, you know, cultural context, as you just said, you know, this is what a church is. It's a building and we meet on Sundays and, you know, maybe we have a Wednesday night meeting. You know, now you got the whole missional thing. Oh, well, now we have small groups and cogs and this, that, and the next. And it's like, well, that's great and all, but those are still, you know, they're still institutional in nature. Yeah. As opposed to, um. I mean, you know, you really got to wonder, what was it like for Paul as he's sitting there making a tent? Like, I just, I really wonder, who, who did he have around him? Well, that, and that's the thing, is he, he did definitely have his, his posse. I mean, he trained those guys to make tents, too. Sure. No doubt. Um, you know, he supported it, it sometimes up to eight other guys on his team. Um, I'm sure Luke worked a bit as a doctor from town to town, but... He was moving about, and and that's kind of the thing that for me over the years when I was in Wales and I would get stuff going and then I'd move on, um, I, I realized, like, I, I no matter where I go, I disciple people, and if I disciple them with the long view, not this church, like this church becomes an idol, but, you know, going back to what we said earlier, that if you're set apart full-time, if you want to be a part of multiplication, you pour into the guys that are weak in the areas that you're um, not strong in. So for, for me, for example, I, I know when I move on, I'm going to reproduce myself and the, the, the work will continue. And so like in Long Beach right now, we got um, San Pedro that's kicking off. But because, you know, for lack of a better term, I think I've corrupted Ruben where Ruben can't just go plant a church. Ruben's now thinking like me. He's thinking beyond San Pedro. Um, he, he sent me an email. It was very, very short. I posted on the New Breed website where he, you know, gave his, you know, A, his rationale for why he wanted to do what he, what he was going to do. A, um, we have, you know, uh, an apostolic leader and a teacher who can train, blah, blah, blah. B, it's like the circuit riders that Wesley use, blah, blah, blah. It's a proven model in church history. And he's like, he gives a couple more points and he goes, E, I'm a Jedi, which uh, was just so rock and roll. I had to post it, but check out, listen, listen to his model. This is his model. And I, I haven't edited this, didn't know I was going to share it. It's exactly what you're saying. It's multiplication. So meeting in a large gathering, no problem. They met in the temple courts. Um, they met in big, big crowds. I got no problem with that. Meeting house to house, like in Cogs, it's biblical. All of that was happening in Jerusalem. All of it is, you know, replicated throughout time. It's been replicated uh, throughout the book of Acts. So I don't, I don't mind like those things. That's why we keep those things. The things that we see in the word, we keep the main things. Are there other things we do? Yes. There's what's called the, the regulative principle of, uh, there's the normative principle and the regulative principle. I won't go into them, but they're, they're basically to, to break it down. There are guys that say, we don't do that because it's not in the word, right? Um, then there's other guys that say, well, what's in the word is a good baseline. It's a good guide. You know, we get principles, but culture changes and they didn't have Xboxes back then, but we do. So we can, you know, meet house to house and play Xbox. And it's not the same if, as long as, you know, we're doing it in the name of Jesus to make disciples, blah, blah, blah. So anyways, here's, here's what Ruben writes. He goes, cause he wrote this one that was kind of cryptic and he said, really unpack that for me. This is what Ruben says he's going to do. And, and, and so going back real quick before I read this, um, I invested in Ruben because I saw in him this guy's apostolic way early on, right? And I also invested simultaneously in Mike Bonomo, who's the shepherd. So Mike does all the shepherding stuff because I suck at that, right? So Mike's got all that stuff in place. So going back when we're talking about like the wedding chapel um, or marriage counseling, um, say you got, you know, you open it up and the pastor's like, dude, I, I got so much so many people coming in, but I've got so much that I've got to do. Well, he ought to devote a lot of his time to to, to outsiders. That is very, very good. But number two, um, train up guys. 
train up like guys like Mike Bonomo. Have them do the marriage counseling. Have them sit in with you. Let them learn about marriage counseling. Take them with you. Disciple people. When you're doing stuff, disciple people to take your place, right? So you can branch out. Now, how cool would that be if, you know, a year from now, you've got five people at your church plant doing the marriage counseling? So the answer is never no or never, I'll see you in three weeks. Um, the answer is always, we're constantly reproducing people that can do the marriage counseling. We've got a curriculum that you go through, boom, boom, boom. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. So let me read this. Do I got time to read this, Pete? Do or are we out of time now? Do it. Okay, cool. He says, since San Pedro has not been planted yet, I feel it serve as a better explanation if I use Refuge Long Beach as an example. Picture Refuge Long Beach exactly how it is now. Now imagine if we want to do an outreach to the young people on 2nd Street. Traditionally, we pray a lot, plot, and deploy. We would think up some idea for outreach and then spend a day living out our plan and invite people to our church. And this would work to some extent, but this isn't really taking back Long Beach for the kingdom. Say we did an outreach on 2nd Street and people got saved in that area, which isn't a great distance from Refuge Long Beach. But instead of hoping they'd all reach their neighbors and bring them to the church in the central location, we set up shop where they see, where we see God working and find a place on or near 2nd Street that will let us hold a Bible study for a couple hours a week, maybe someone's house. Then since we have COGS already established, which are pretty missionally minded anyways, with Mike and I already teaching and being trained, you could tap one of us and ask if our COG would be interested in doing a weekly outreach on 2nd Street by sharing the gospel and holding an evening or nighttime event for a couple of months. The COG could even continue as normal and some could be involved on Sunday nights. Now there's two outcomes, either it catches or it misses. If it misses, then we're just back to square one. We haven't lost anything. But if it catches, we've just taken a little more ground on our beachfront. Isn't that hot? How, I mean, this is Ruben all, wrote this? Yeah. How well, did Ruben no, write he this? He sat through my courses. He sat through all my university classes that I've offered it. Like, I don't think he I didn't think he could but, string three sentences together. I'm impressed. <laughs> no, but what's awesome is, you know, to Ruben, he's like, this is an original idea. To me, I'm just like, dude, I've corrupted you. This is awesome because I've said this stuff a million times. But But it just shows it's gotten inside of him. It's who he is now. He can't just go plant a church. This is what discipleship does. It doesn't matter if the person realizes why they're jacked up. It's just important that you've jacked them up. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He goes on to say, Sunday in Long Beach with COG 2.0. That's what he calls it in play. So for him, COG 2.0 means not a COG. It means a reproducing COG. So he goes on. We would meet as normal for our morning service, and when evening came, so this is now the the sis, you know, the daughter cog. So he starts San Pedro, but now this is what comes out of San Pedro, right? This is he's thinking maybe six months down the road, you know, a year down. This is the apostolic calling. You don't just think of that church plant; you think about all the church plants down the road. You start a movement, not just a church plant, but a movement of church plants. So he says, we would meet as normal for our morning service, and when evening came, those who were involved would meet on 2nd Street. Let's say evening service started at 5 p.m. and lasted until 6.30. The team would meet around 4, and we would walk the streets, meet people, get coffee, evangelize, invite people to where we're meeting, or just converse with people, the locals, till what we're doing starts. Uh, our service would be made up of a 30-minute study, followed by 30 minutes of Q&A time, discussion, etc., food, the study could be through one of the Gospels or maybe a topical series. If it catches, and I love how it's like, it either catches like he's not afraid to fail. He doesn't care if it fails, right? The, the, the only, uh, it's like Seth Godin says, right? Um, the, only, the only, how does it say, if it, you'll never fail if you never start, right? So some guys are so afraid of failing, they'll never start. Kingdom-minded people don't care about failing. They don't worry about that. So it goes on, if it catches, if the mission is a success and the lost are being saved and discipled, then we have a morning service and another COG 2.0 along with normal COGs. What if we wanted to also reach west of the train tracks and did an outreach and seen that their people could use something on Sunday? Now we've got three hubs. You still have one COG leader left over from the original mix. The goal would be using these evening services to branch out through Long Beach or whatever city the church is in. Paul told Titus to appoint elders over every city, speaking of the cities they've preached to. Long Beach is a bit jam-packed, too big for one elder, if I'm not mistaken. 
From Ephesus, those who were saved planted the churches throughout Asia Minor. Paul wrote to the churches, plural, in Galatia. If we're really going to reach Long Beach, we have to multiply. Another example. He keeps going, so I'm going to stop. But I'm just telling you, as as the apostolic leader who spent now two and a half years there and poured into these guys, I met with them every Thursday for two hours. I started classes. I did reading groups with them. Um, I, 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 I taught them how to do cogs. I trained them for street evangelism. I'm just telling you, for me, like I could die happy tomorrow. Um, and it, it, my job's done. The work will continue. If I'm taken out tomorrow, the work goes on, right? Because I've reproduced. Now, Reuben, you can hear it laced in there. He doesn't say it specifically. He's going to be reproducing people. I had a phone conversation with him. That's all we talked about for about 30 minutes was guys that he can now start discipling. That's it, man. That's how it works. Two and a half years in, man, Jesus takes those guys three years, trains them, lets them go, and they're total screw-ups. And I'll be honest with you, I'm still a screw-up. So that is the benefit of being full-time, and you can still be bivocational. If if Reuben were full-time, if we had the money to check at Reuben, this is what he's going to do with his time. Do you see what I'm saying? You can still be bivo if you're not bivo. I dig it. Cool. All right. Well, I'm sure we're out of time now, aren't we? We are. We're over, as always. All right. Cool. All right. So not only did we uh, waste a lot of time, talk a lot of smack, we also went over, and that's the way of the Church Planner podcast. So thanks for joining us today, guys. And uh, if you want to read Ruben's uh, crazy post about being a Jedi, it's at www.newbreedchurchplanting.com. And you can go over there and visit that. Be sure to put your reviews of the podcast and of the magazine. We need that so that we can secure uh, more advertisers, which will eventually help us not to pay for this out of our pocket, which would be cool since you guys aren't giving us money. (laughs) (laughs) At least give us a podcast review. So anyways, guys, thanks for being a part of our posse. And this has been the Church Planner Podcast reminding you that if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you have to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music